0: the timing of it worked out really well because it's a year since i was laid off a year in perspective so i'm looking forward to that
1: welcome back to the career therapy podcast my name is martin mcgovern and today we're chatting with juliette barrett on another edition of life after layoff juliette thank you for joining us today i'm very excited to hear about your story um, especially as you just said before we hopped on the call it's about a year since uh, you went through your layoff experience, and so we've got a nice you know, look back at the year, a year in perspective. Um, sure. So we'll kick this off the way we always do. Juliet, tell us about yourself.
0: Sure. I'm Juliet, Juliet Barrett. I am uh, a career coach, creative, uh, entrepreneur, um, artist. I think those, those cover the majority of the things that I do um, together and separate. Uh, and I'm in Chicago, Illinois, um, currently uh, working um, with a, a company called Springboard as a career coach for folks who are transitioning um, from prior careers or industry specifically. Some folks are, are earlier in their career, but majority of the folks that I work with now are um, transitioning after about, you know. Seven to fifteen years of experience in a prior industry, and are looking either due to COVID, they're looking for a reinvigor- reinvigorated industry, or um, they're looking for a change after kind of um, being an expert in one field. Are excited about um, learning something new, which I'm one of my philosophies as a coach is learning as a lifestyle. So I really enjoy learning working with um, career changers because I think that uh, that that component of recommit to yourself and, and kind of taking your expertise that exists and also trusting that there's always something more to learn um, really excites me in supporting people in that journey. So that's a little bit I love
1: amazing. that. That's wonderful. And there's a few things that I think are really interesting in our conversation here together. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the first ones is that, you know, career coaches are also building careers. And so while we're here <laughs> giving a lot of advice and doing a lot of great things, uh, you know, content coaching wise. Um, we're also, you know, going through the job search very often and going through, you know, negotiations and and different things like that. And so we're practicing what we preach a lot of the time. And then the other piece is that, you know, you've, you've had quite a number of different types of jobs and careers over your life. Um, and so I, I want to maybe start by going back a little bit before we get to the layoff story. How did you end up in the role uh, that you were later, uh, you know, moved on from, uh, tell us the story of, of your career journey up to that point, up to the point that we're going to be talking about a year ago.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, it was very diverse. I, I think, um, I come from, like I said, a creative background. So my background, um, is in theater, performance arts, television, um, broadcasting, radio. I'm very much, uh, have deep, deep roots in, um, Kind of, yeah, just the 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 performative element of the creative arts, right? Because there's a lot of there's dance, there's music. So I'm much more on kind of the, um, yeah, performance. And I consider a level of radio to be performance, because um, if you've ever had to host a talk show, uh, it takes a lot of preparation. It takes oh, yeah. a lot of. Um, Yeah, a lot of intention. So, and I think those are a lot of relative skills. So that's kind of where my background is. Um, So after completing school, I, uh, in for theater. So that's kind of what my training is in. uh, When we qualify education as being kind of the barometer for setting someone's success. Um, That's what I went to school for, was for theater. Which I think a lot of times um, surprises people because uh, it's not deemed, in general, culturally speaking, uh, a good investment for the level of what higher education costs these days. Um, and I've never, I've never regretted it. Um, and I actually think it has a lot to do with what I do now. So, um, after I completed my degree in theater, uh, acting and directing, um, I kind of moved on and did some traveling. I kind of was at that point, I'm always looking to learn more. And so I moved abroad for a while to just challenge myself and, and kind of get out of, uh, the burnout cycle I'd I'd been in after, um, education. Um, and, uh, from there um, taught a lot and freelanced for about two years um, where I was an art teacher and I was teaching um, the opportunity to teach uh, younger students in schools as well as um, uh, folks who are retired um, post their uh, their careers um, while I was in Ecuador um, and also teaching bilingual and so um, that was a big stretch for me on many levels it was the first time I had worked with both um, kind of ends of the spectrum of age yeah. with different folks for ages it 's the first time I had built kind of full curriculums for those kind of that spectrum um, and so I, I gained a lot of skills and while I was doing that, I was also freelance painting, so I was painting murals um, so I had about seven murals during that time that I was also in conjunction. Wow teaching, freelancing, practicing my own craft, um, producing all of the finances and the the business side of that as well. And so when I transitioned back to the United States, I thought I wanted to be a muralist full time and kind of continue in that trajectory. And then I found, uh, you know, really that the the lifestyle it's required for being a muralist wasn't going to be sustainable for me because it involves um it's very uh it's very physically demanding it's long hours um and so that was something that kind of looking at how I want to kind of invest my life so much of what I enjoyed about public art was the community engagement not necessarily the painting side of things I loved being able to take a story from a community and put that on a wall where the community could see itself and feel reflected. Um, and I realized that if I wanted to be a sustainable, you know, muralist, that I would have to do studio art in order to really be able to, um, uh support myself financially as well in that endeavor and that was a side of the career that just i knew wasn't going to work for me i need i need to be around people Mm -hmm. i need to be in the street painting talking to the mango uh guy who's selling mangoes in the wheelbarrow and you know discussing the history of the of the neighborhood that i'm painting in um and so when i transitioned back i realized that as much as i had really enjoyed building that life for myself, that it wasn't something that I wanted to pursue long-term. And so from that point, um, kind of transitioning into Chicago, uh, I had about another year of freelance where I was working um, kind of a jack of all trades or a drill of all trades, uh, being an administrative assistant and using kind of a lot of the skills that I had as a freelancer. Um, Supporting my own art, supporting a lot of other artists in their careers. So using those administrative skills to, um, you know, I was taking gig after gig, just kind of trying to um, find a way to be able to mesh my skills. And at that point, I had a friend um, who was looking for a little bit more support than just, hey, can you build me a spreadsheet? Or, hey, can you, uh, you know, um, write me a bunch of email templates, which I was just kind of doing all of the above whenever someone needed me while also doing my own work. Um, I was painting sets for a companies. So very much still freelancing, filling in the gaps, but working within multiple disciplines. And as a result, I had a lot of friends in many different industries. And I started realizing that there was a huge gap between um, the awareness of Uh, how to, as an artist, how to conduct themselves as a business. So a lot of times when you're an independent um, artist, you go to the art school, you get the art training that makes you really good at the practice and the talent component of your artistic practice, but you don't get the business school side. You don't learn how to build contracts. You don't learn how to, um, you know, uh, create invoices. No one teaches you just like the basic skills. Um, And no one tells you that you're gonna need that either, right? They don't tell you, but they also don't say, hey, go get this continued learning once you are, you know, finished with this training Um, and so I had a lot of peers in my community who I was working with who were really just kind of working paycheck to paycheck because they didn't understand how to sustain their career as a as a you know within the industry not just from a talent perspective and so I started kind of trying to think about um, ways I could support my community I'm very community based and so I was like I have these skills how can I use these skills to help the people that I want to see thrive because I see the potential and i know that if there's just a couple of things that they can learn how to do it's going to elevate them to that next step where they can have access to the kinds of conversations that will get them funding for their projects that will um you know, help folks in the industry take them seriously Mm -hmm. Um, because there's a a communication gap between talent and administration generally or between business. And the business knows they need the talent the talent knows they need the business. But a lot of times the business isn't going to take talent seriously if they don't understand how to speak that language. And talent, uh, you know, um, a lot of times tries to thrive without business. And that usually happens because of community but again you know after 10 years of that i saw a lot of people getting burnt out because they hadn't transitioned from the hustle mode Mm. to the um strategy section of like life yeah um so out of that i started essentially uh exploring coaching i had several people who spoke into my life and said hey have you ever thought about this um and uh it i think it was the first time that i realized um, that I, there was a kind of a holistic, uh, name that could use a lot of my skills, but still give me the flexibility to be the person I wanted to be, right. That I could, um, be myself. I didn't have to put on any sort of, um, you know, corporate, uh, speech, which in a lot of arts communities, there's this disconnect between what is corporate and what is like grassroots. And, um, and I realized that I didn't have to pick one or the other. That I could be both. That I could use my skills that I had honed through practice and also through working with a lot of different organizations and companies through my freelance work, and take those skills and then also, um, you know, serve the community that I had grown really passionate about seeing thrive. And that's how I became a coach. And then um, the job that I had when I was like. That I was laid off from came from word of mouth. I had a friend. I was kind of you know doing the the hey I'm available um, conversation with my network, just saying I'm open and looking for things that will give me the opportunity to expand these skills um, beyond just one on one coaching. I knew that it, there were opportunities for program development, which uh, you know building community again, education, which I had a history in education. So I saw an opportunity for a lot of these um, skills to uh, covalesce into a singular job or a singular industry. And so I was kind of looking, not necessarily for coaching roles specifically, but I was looking for roles that would utilize those skills. And out of that came my job where a friend referred me, um, who is a mutual friend of ours. Uh, I think how we were connected, um, who just said, hey, I have a job. You're perfect for it. Please apply. And the rest is history.
1: I love it. And when you're having those ham hey, available combos, I think that's a really important thing to touch on for folks because networking is such a difficult, you know, aspect of the process, especially when, you know, you're, you're sort of putting yourself out there for a few different things and not not entirely sure what you're looking for. Um, how did you approach those ham hey, available combos? Was it all one on one? Was it online in person group things going to meetups? What, what were you doing?
0: Um, it Was a lot of one on one. I was having a lot of one on one conversations, so it was pretty much just something I brought up every time I was talking with folks. Yeah. Um, when people say, "Hey, what's up? How are you doing?" You know, I would always be a component of, you know, I'm really good. I'm on the precipice of of looking for, you know, my next step. I'm looking for things that involve these skills. So I wasn't necessarily saying. I'm looking for this job or wanting to work with these companies. I was more focused on these are the skills I want to hone and these are the opportunities I want to have. I want to work with large groups of people. I want to work with creatives. Um, I want to be able to grow within kind of my um, teaching skills as well as in with my facilitation skills. Um, I want to be a connector. I want to be able to bring folks, um, you know, to help them reach their goals. Um, so kind of more defining the job by the, the the things I wanted to spend my days doing rather than the title. And I found that that brought me a lot more opportunities because people would say, oh, there's this program director uh, position that you would be great for. or And all of those were correct. Um, none of them were things that, I mean, I applied to all of them and I really, uh, you know, when someone would send me a job, opening, I would realize, oh, I hadn't thought about this position, but it still used all the skills that I wanted to be um, pursuing. And so I found that direction really worked out well for me in kind of expanding my opportunities beyond the limits of my own recognition.
1: That's awesome. And that's really what you ended up finding. So you ended up in this role. Um, what was your title in the role? What did it end up being?
0: Yeah. I was career development coordinator Career at development a college.
1: college. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of the things that I think is so interesting about you know going through a layoff uh, at some point in your career is sometimes the layoff can kind of, color the whole experience, right? That there's this like trick with psychology where, you know, you could go on a great vacation and then you have a terrible flight home and it ruins, you know, it kind of ruins the whole experience. And so yeah. I'm kind of, you know, as, as we get towards that part of the story where the layoff actually happens, I'd kind of love to hear your thoughts on what was it about that job that you really enjoyed? What were the parts of that job that really spoke to you personally?
0: Yeah. Um, I loved I loved being able to connect students with artists who I knew in the communities, who were doing the job that these students envisioned for themselves. So really contextualizing, this is your perception of a music producer. Let me bring in a music producer who you can see in flesh and bone and connect with and hear their story, hear the nuance, but also see that this is possible, that there is a reality to the to the job that you have built up in your mind that led you to paying this amount of money to get into this school, um, to really help them conceptualize the reality of what they were working towards was really um. Uh, I think a huge component for me and being able to show artists that it's possible to be an artist, it's possible to sustain yourself. Um, there's just a lot of things that people don't tell you. And so, what you have to do is you have to talk to people who are doing that so that you can start building that reality out for yourself. So, being able to kind of be the bridge between aspiration and reality was really satisfying for me. Um, and then one on one relationships. I loved my students. I loved having just, you know, office visits, having people come in on my office and just say, hey, uh, you know, whether they were dropping off a thank you note. I had some really wonderful students who would just come in and drop me off thank you notes, or they just wanted to come in and, um, you know, get clarity on a concept they didn't understand. Um, you know, I had scheduled one on ones where it was like, you know, um, talking about application materials and those were fine but I think my favorite moments were when a student felt comfortable enough to be vulnerable in what they didn't know and say and just pop in and ask a question and say hey this might sound ridiculous but um you know is $15 an hour okay for the, the amount of work that this person is asking me or I feel like I'm being taken advantage of this internship is this true and being able to affirm those instincts and those um those questions in them without judgment um i think for me was a great opportunity to to show them that they could build that trust within themselves to follow those instincts because that's ultimately what you need in order to thrive in any industry um so being able to facilitate that that space for them to kind of um explore those limitations within themselves and learn without feeling, um, you know, like they would be seen as um, incapable. A lot of times I think also professionals feel like if we let down our guard and we say, I don't understand something, that suddenly our whole career will be undermined because we don't know everything about what we're supposed to know. Um, So kind of being able to debunk that myth for me uh, in one-on-one moments and then see students grow out of that information was really um, fulfilling.
1: I love that, and and that that ability to connect someone with a job that they, you know, especially in the creative world, I feel like we consume a lot of media of what, like, you know, we watch like a docu series or something like that, and we're like, that's what that is. It's like that this is what Rick Rubin's life is like. I'm gonna go get that yeah. career, and and like yeah. uh, showing them what a real person in that role. It's like see it to achieve it in a way, and yeah. um, and and when so you're in this role, you're doing a great job. You're chatting with these folks, you're connecting them with the industry. And, you know, you and I even met through that, I believe. And then. Yeah, through um, one of
0: those conversations. <laughs> exactly. I hosted you <laughs> as an expert.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, it, that was a whole lot of fun. And, um, and then things started taking a turn. So, uh, you know, with knowing as much as we can share in conversations like this, what started happening and, and how did we end up getting to the point where a change occurred?
0: Hmm. when you say a change that sounds so ambiguous to the reality (laughs) of what happened yeah um it was very (laughs) it was very disorienting i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie um i was actually up for a promotion the week that i got laid off so i was very very shocked um yeah i was in the middle of preparing i was like finalizing my promotion pitch um, you know, with my market research and just and substantiating uh, all of my asks um, with just the data I collected during my time there, the improvements I had made on the impact of the, the institution as well as just individual student lives. Um, so I was in a good place. I thought everything was, you know, uh, I had a lot of affirmation from um, the community, but uh, there was also an underlying suspicion there had been um, a merger that had happened pretty soon uh, after I joined the company or joined the organization. Um, and the merger had not, in my time there, had not been handled well in multiple ways. Lack of communication, lack of um change management in many in many spaces, um, miscommunication around funding options, how much was available versus what we had been told we would be receiving for our, um, you know, for our work that we we had already started kind of preparing, having to kind of reorganize due to those miscommunications across the board. So there were definitely seeds of suspicion, but I don't think that I saw it co- going as dramatically as it did. I just saw it as a we have a lot of work to do kind of um, mentality, uh, which can happen when you have, you know, suddenly you go from one chain of command to six chains of command because you now are dealing with, you know, different time zones and different um, departments that are also handling the the merger. so overall, I would say 50% of the time, I felt really confident in my security and uh, the impact that I was having on the organization. And then the organization as a whole, I definitely saw um, some red flags that gave me pause, but were, did I did not see as potentially direct, directly impacting me as much as they did. I saw it more as a this is something to keep a lookout for in the next year or two years. If certain steps aren't taken to remedy or modify kind of this course of action, um, then some really difficult conversations are going to have to be had with management. Um, I just didn't get the opportunity to have those conversations.
1: And that's, that's the way the the cookie crumbles, right? Um, And so what was that day like for you? I always think it's so interesting to talk about the actual, Day and maybe bring ourselves back to that moment, because then it, it really sets the foundation for how we respond, right? So, yeah. um, you know, oh, a lot of people, I, go, yes. Yeah. so talk, <laughs> talk us through it.
0: I just love how you say it sets up the, the, the situation for how we respond, because I think it's really true. Um, trauma, right? Like workplace trauma is real. And this is one of the instances. I mean, we're looking at the impacts of COVID-19 that even have yet to truly be processed. Mm-hmm economically, globally, um, but there's trauma in the workplace. And depending on how things happen, depends on how, you know, you are, you internalize that experience. And, and I think that's where the impact comes in when you're saying how it impacts things. So yeah. I think the, the way that this happened, um, to me, uh, which I don't want to put myself in a victim mentality, but the way that this rolled out definitely set the trajectory. Um, I my boss was at was abroad while this happened. My direct um, my direct uh, report was uh, abroad. Um, and it was a Monday. So there's also kind of just a lot of details around. It's Monday. I'm getting ready for my week. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to be pitching uh, a raise to my, you know, um, to the higher chain of commands when my boss is not. My direct boss, who's like in full support, is also not in town. Um, and so there's just kind of a lot of, uh, there were some stakes already at play where I was like, game on. Um, and I was an hour into, a, into the Monday um, when I was called into the HR office, um, which I didn't think too much about because generally I because I worked a lot with students, um, I had a lot, I had more engagement with HR regularly because I was kind of moderating student contracts with employers and in internships and a lot of that kind of paperwork would go between HR and myself and a couple other departments to make sure that the students weren't being taken advantage. So I didn't, I really did not see anything coming um i just left my office i went to hr there was black paper on the window which was it was very dramatic (laughs) there was black paper on the window and very artsy um,
1: let's put it that yeah
0: (laughs) taste for for the drama um And that was the moment where I was like, something is terribly wrong. Or I, yeah, I'm in an alternate reality, right? It kind of just the, why would there be paper? So I walk in and the boss who I was, going to be pitching my, my race who was sitting there and HR is sitting there and at this point I'm just like completely discombobulated. Um, and then they I say like they read me my Miranda rights. It was just like very standard procedure. HR said, you know, I had another boss who was also not on location from the other merger school who was on the phone and she just basically said, hey, so-and-so is here, so-and-so is here. And then my boss just started reading uh reading Reading the 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 letter, right? The like HR speak letter of due to uh, you know some rearrangement of departments we are going through, and just kind of went through everything. And then by the end of the letter, I think it was at the two thirds of the letter, I realized I was losing my job.
1: <laughs> like oh my god! It was just so.
0: It happened in under ten minutes. Um.
1: It's a just, roller coaster of emotions.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. I was so disoriented, and and halfway through the letter, I think I just started weeping because I just I felt the loss of control. Right, which is what trauma. What what how trauma is created is when you feel complete loss of control. And so at that point, because there wasn't anyone super familiar, I think if my boss had been there, my direct boss, so I had a lot a much. A more day-to-day relationship with, or really anybody from my department. I didn't have anybody from my department. So it felt very much like upper, upper management and me and no one who really felt, you know, I felt connected to. So there was also that level of just um, feeling of a little bit abandoned, you know, and then having this happen. Uh, and... Um, so when that, uh, when the le- got down to the letter, they just said, do you have any questions? <laughs> and I was just sitting there crying. <laughs> and I was so, I was so, I, I I didn't even know what to ask. I was so disoriented. Um, and, you know, thankfully the, the higher superior who I was going to be pitching my raise to, um, she, there was like this moment of human interaction where I think she just realized like, And to be fair, when you have to do mass layoffs, and I'm not saying that I approve of the way that happened, but I know that there's a level of, oh, I'm sorry, there's a... a
1: It's all good. We're in Chicago. Um, There's no avoiding it.
0: It's true. Uh, There was a level of, I know she had to disconnect in order to be able to just do that because I was not the only person who was let go that day. So I know that there was kind of standard procedure. um, But I did appreciate in that moment, she just kind of broke the facade of like procedure and was like you know we really you this has nothing to do with like your performance we really love, and she just recognized the work that I had done even minimally and said this we none of this is because um, we want to uh, it has nothing to do with the value that you brought to the company. She recognized some really pivotal growth points that I had created in my time there, and then really just apologized and said, "You know, let me know uh, if you need a recommendation. Uh, we'll absolutely make sure that you like that the, our decision doesn't impact that your capability to be able to be employed again." Absolutely. Um, And then I had to leave like that was, but that was it, you know, I was just kind of like, okay, thanks. And then they were like, great, you'll be escorted back to your office and you'll be asked to leave the premises immediately. So then I was, (laughs) yes. So I was escorted to my, which just anytime you're being escorted by a colleague, you know, there's just this really visceral, um, contradiction of relationship. Right. And so I was, I was escorted back to my office and then I got there and my computer had already been, been taken by the company. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and um, and and that moment, they were like, okay, you have to go. And I was like, well, I have all my stuff here. And they were like, well, you can pack it up right now or you can arrange to come get it uh, tomorrow. Um, and I was like, okay, can you give me a couple minutes? And he was like, no, I have to stand here until I either, like, I have to escort you out the building or I to, I'm here to like, watch you pack up your office. <laughs>
1: and and I was it's like, got it. I not <laughs> It's got to be that way because something has happened in the past, right? Like something terrible has happened. But like, it's so weird. It's so strange. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so I was like, well, I don't have anything to pack. I, I wasn't planning on packing up my office today. You know, so like this very, I got a little, I did, I don't think I got erratic, but I was just so angry and fed up that I was like. (laughs) very sassy and i was like well do you have boxes because i didn't bring any uh and you know and he wasn't honestly he wasn't very compassionate he was just like Mm. i don't have any boxes i was like i know
1: (laughs) i was being sassy
0: Be with me in this moment. Um, And so I just like ended up leaving my office and I walked out literally 20 minutes later and I looked for my, I was like, can I look for people in my department? And he was like, no, you have to be escorted directly out. You can't talk to anybody. I'm sure because, you know, other folks are going to be let go. Oh yeah. They They wanted to minimize panic. (laughs) Um, And so I was escorted out. And so I had my purse and all my, everything in my office, my computer is gone. And and I was in... Chicago City Center wandering around at 11.30 a.m. without a job, (laughs) Uh, which I remember that moment. I just sat in a plaza, I think for about an hour and just kind of processed like you don't have a job. Uh, And, you know, there were questions, too, at the time of. um, Why? How did this happen? Does my boss know? he's abroad. Like, there's just so many questions that were circulating. Um, so I do think, yeah, in a, in a lot of ways, it was very traumatic. And I think I remember taking the train home, just thinking about like, what am I going to do with the rest of my day? Like, how do, how do what do you do after this? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still have a note in my phone where I just I wrote down every single person I would need to contact in order to find another job. And I just started brainstorming. Like I need to send an email to so-and-so. I need to send an email to so-and-so. I need to like, I went into kind of reaction mode. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Also because I realized that the only way I was going to be able to, to uh, I think rebound from that was to um, call on my community to say, Hey, um, this just happened. I need help. Um, so sometimes I look at that note just to like reflect on, on how true that ended up being, uh, in the, in the aftermath.
1: That's fantastic. And I think one of the things that I find interesting is when, when someone's been a freelancer, when someone's been a, a contractor, an artist, or all these different things that you've been throughout your career, it almost sets you up in a really, uh, positive way because you, I don't know, in the back of my head, I always assume no job is forever. No job is permanent. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of folks in, in, you know, long-term careers who have maybe been at a company five, 10 years, they're like, well, of course I'm just going to stay here until I retire. And that mindset is like, when, when you've been a contractor and you've had to chase down jobs, you're like, oh no, I'm, I'm always like thinking of my next backup plan, my, my escape route. Like uh, what is Robert De Niro? And he's like, uh you know don't ever have more than you can leave behind in 5 minutes if you got to get out of town in heat or whatever mm. and so i'm just kind of curious like having had that background in contracting freelancing art and things like mm-hmm. that do you think that that prepared you better for the for this transition that you went through
0: absolutely absolutely because the network the people that i knew weren't only associated with my job so when i lost my job i didn't feel like i lost my network Mm. Um, I knew that I knew people who weren't my colleagues right and I think a lot of times when you do grow at the workspace, you really settle into just that community right like you know the people at the company then you have your personal friends and oftentimes those are the two communities that you're a part of so when you when you lose that job you lose fifty percent of your contacts wow. um wow. and a lot of times your uh your your personal and depending on how what profession you're in you don't always you don't always integrate your personal with your professional lives. And so even your personal contacts might not be in a position to speak to your skills or to your work because they don't engage with you in that space. Um, And so you, then you're really isolated because you don't have anyone to speak to your experience or to speak to your abilities because they just don't, that's not how you built that relationship um unless you explicitly invite them to see you you know um conduct taxes or you know like which we don't do with our right. private relationships um and so i think yeah for me it, the the big component of all the work that i've done has always been um being a bridge between communities being a bridge between employers and students being a bridge between and so i knew that 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 skill and that also the that value that I hold within my work no matter what I'm doing um kind of that outward focus of who else can I connect with um did come one from the freelance opportunity right of of, of seeking out freelance work of always being open and, and I think the other thing is when you're freelancing your perspective has to be vulnerable because you always have to be open to seeing um where the potential is to connect with somebody, right? You're always kind of looking for how can we collaborate? What skills do you have that are compatible with my skills? Um, You know, where where is the intersection for us to be able to connect? Um, because one, you need to, but also two, uh, if you're freelancing, there's probably a level of autonomy that you want to have in your work because you want to be able to work with people you enjoy or work on projects or products that you enjoy or value, or you feel like reflect you. And so when you are in that headspace, a lot of times you're much more opportunistic than when, uh, you have a longer term job, um, because you're not in a space where you might not have the capacity to be incorporating that many more people into your life or taking on a lot of extra projects. Um, so I do find that especially if someone's been to the company longer term and, and they, it's, a, it's like their dream role, right? You have your dream role. There is kind of the, I've arrived checkbox of great. I got to Google, I'm good to go, right? I kind of hit i hit the crest of the mountaintop and now I'm here and all of my work has been sufficient and, um, and now I don't have to, you know, I don't have to be getting to know new people unless they're associated with my company and what I'm doing um, and it's relative to that experience. But once you kind of turn that mode off and you stop valuing people beyond the company you're associated with or through the association of that company, um, that's when you get really vulnerable to being really dependent upon that company for sustaining your livelihood as well as like your your personhood.
1: Yeah. And I like that idea of like thinking outside the box of ways to connect. I think a lot of times that, you know, when I'm talking to folks who are networking, they're like, well, they didn't have a full-time job for me. So the conversation ended and I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, find a way to connect them with someone, find a way to do a contract with them, find a way to volunteer with the meetup that they run. Like there's, I think that freelancer mindset, that contractor mindset also allows you to find what you said, to see the potential of of a collaboration with someone. It's like, yeah, it might not be a full-time job right this second, but if you keep that conversation going and you're always looking for ways to help people, you never know what might happen, uh, you know, six months, a year from now. And so what has been your journey back now? So it's been about a year since this happened. Um, What has been your journey back and and where are you at today?
0: I don't, I don't, I don't. Okay. I'm I'm not going to, I'm going to reframe that. I wouldn't say it's a journey back um, because I, I, uh but for, for for me that feels a little bit regressive like okay. that i was trying to get back to that job right sure. that i was trying to get back to that place and so there's this idea of like i fell here or you know i was here i fell and now i'm climbing back to that point and i think once i dropped off that point i realized that that linear structure was a facade and that mm. that wasn't actually a sustainable approach to my profession um that i was very uh, you know, I think I also in that job became even just in the year that I was there. I felt I became very comfortable with um, my my performance will always be my security. That if I overperform or I impact the company, that I will have security because my merit and my value to the company will be recognized, and that's how I'm going to be secure. Um, and I think in that moment, like the how did the 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 letting go impact your journey i think the fact that my boss directly said this is not because you haven't been an an exceptional performer this is literally because this has nothing to do with you Mm -hmm. and i think at that point i realized it doesn't matter how hard i work or how exceptional my my contribution is to a company um i'm still not stable right like that doesn't actually create safety for me Um, you could be invaluable to a company and still not be retained and a lot of those decisions are out of your control Um, and I think that realization and hearing that from her in that moment helped me process after and the kind of I think I took about two months where I really didn't job search I just sat with with Do I want to go back? Do I want to go, you know, work with companies? Do I want to freelance? Like, just also sit with, uh, you know, what is, who am I outside of a job, right? I think that was also, was the first time, even though I had been freelancing, um, it was the first time I didn't have any gigs, any contracts. Anything. I didn't have any income coming in. And so I still feel like it was very much a, I didn't have a job, even though I had, you know, skills and abilities and a network, I still didn't have anything defining me for the future. So I still very much felt like kind of that horizon line was very, very open. Um, and so I didn't want to just jump into reactive mode of I got to find a gig. I got to find a job. I got us into applications um, because I think realizing that my ability was not connected to my safety made me go, okay, well then what is mm. <laughs> like, what is, how do I take care of myself? Um, does that look like getting a gig? Does that look like getting another full-time job? Like what does that mean? And I needed time to to sit with that question because it felt so vast and impossible at the time. And I think through that, that space, which I, I encourage a lot of folks, if you have the ability, take that space for yourself to just allow yourself to be outside of work, um, to understand also what your needs are before you start Looking for the next thing, um, because you might just jump from the you know the the fire into the or was it frying pan into the fire? Oh yeah, frying <laughs> pan. One of those one idioms. Um, but you know, having that reset for me uh, actually allowed me to sit with um, what opportunity has this created in my life now? Right, like what are the things that I haven't been doing um, because I didn't have time or uh, the the ambitions or the projects that I wanted to do, but I put on hold because I had a job. Um, And so I really spent the next eight months of unemployment. I was unemployed. And and I also think it's hard to say unemployed because we think of that in the framework of a company. Um, But really I wasn't working 40 hours a week for eight months. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And even that is still framed within this idea of, Relationship to an employer. I was absolutely working 40 hours a week. Not everything was making me money, but I was yeah. working, right? And so um, the next eight months I spent really uh, defining what I wanted, what skills I wanted to bring, um, what I wanted to continue honing. I did a lot of personal projects. I wrote um, a workshop curriculum that had been on my mind that was synthesizing a lot of my creative skills um, with what I had learned about. Uh, Career management, um, and and wrote out a curriculum that was a combination of learned knowledge, personal philosophy that I had wanted to do as I had accumulated a lot of experiences. So being able to kind of regroup and create something that could speak to my um, career that was independent um, was huge, and like regaining the autonomy that I felt had been taken away from me by being disassociated. With my organization, um, and then I did a lot of creative projects, things that I hadn't. I wrote a play, um, which I I didn't have time for when I was full, you know, working full forty hours a week. And I had a residency, and and I was able to really kind of um, build out uh, the the components of myself that I had put on hold um, for that company. And then those skills ended up getting me the jobs, right? That I that that sustained me throughout the, the time where I wasn't working with a company directly, where I was doing freelance work. I was able to pick back up some of my painting and theater for fun. I was able to um, do a lot more independent coaching. So I, I built out my clientele personally a lot um, more fervently than I had prior. Um, and, you know, launched my, my workshop, which was a huge accomplishment um, and, and really built out my profession on my terms. Um, and introduced myself kind of to the world as a creative and a career coach at the same time, which I would say prior to that, um, I had, I was code switching. I was either in my creative circles or I was a career coach and I wasn't both. And so that opportunity since then has been me, uh, you know, defining and owning that space in multiple communities and, and kind of building my own bridge within myself to say, Everything is connected, and there's value in both of both of these worlds and um, being a facilitator of that. So now that I work with um, folks in tech predominantly, um, it's been a really great joy to be able to um, take kind of the creative skills that we're talking about, the creative approach to communicating with folks, finding opportunity that hustle kind of freelance hustle um, that I learned as a creative, to a space where a lot of times that approach um, is innovative, right? Tech, we think of as an innovative um, industry. And so I found a lot of crossover and helping people recognize that as well has been um, really fulfilling in the next iteration of of my career journey.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, and this idea of looking for the opportunity in getting laid off, I think is huge and Taking that time to rebuild or or rediscover really your own identity. Um, we hear that a lot uh, with folks who you know can can separate themselves from the experience a little bit and start seeing. Wait a second, it's not all downside here. There's a lot of upside, and I think a lot of that happened with you know uh, quarantine as well. People go, oh my gosh, look at all this time. I'm not commuting. Wait, You're I can rediscover a part of myself that I've maybe been ignoring because I took on this identity of this role and thought that meant I couldn't do these other things. And it's mm-hmm. actually something since my layoff that I've been doing as well. The like career therapy is a far more creative type of coaching than I did prior to uh, prior to uh, getting laid off. And so it's really cool to hear that part of your story. Um, and now I, I would just love to get a sense of you know where are you at today now that a year has passed. Um, what are you working on? How are you, how are you weaving all of this together and where do you see it going?
0: Yeah. Um, I think, um, where I'm at right now is very much, um, present. I think that because of quarantine and because of COVID, um, and, and because of my job, I speak with, uh, 30 plus professionals a week who have been impacted by COVID all over the world. Um, And I think that that opportunity for me has given me a lot of um, perspective around many industries that are suffering um, how it's impacting different parts of, of the United States. Generally, Um, but also globally, like the difference between someone who's living in Singapore and experiencing COVID versus someone who's living in California versus someone who's in Maryland, right? All very different uh, worlds. Um, And that perspective through working with my clients has really helped me, um, I think, ground in the fact that we don't know what the future looks like um, and to be much more present with. with the investment of my time, um, and how can I, uh, take care of the folks around me while also, um, you know, not trying to force the next section of my career or, you know, be this very goal oriented, which a lot of times in crisis, we go into action plan mode. Right. And I think for now, my, um, my response has been not to go into action plan mode, but really to try and just say, all right, this week I'm focusing on these clients and I'm focusing on these, my needs in this area and we're going to get through this week and do that work. And then we're going to see where that gets us. And I know that's a very abstract response to your, to your I question. Like it. Um, but I think, uh, from a personal standpoint, um, I'm really looking at what does a 40 hour work week mean within a fully remote world? Um, and that's a big question I have around the future of careers, the future of industries, um, and of company work versus cl- like, uh, client work. Um, and if, if many things are, remaining remote what does that mean for um uh how do we then redefine the work week right like when are we working in the mornings the evenings when you work between different time zones if you're working remote there's a lot of other things that um can be incorporated into defining what your day looks like Um, and so right now i'm really thinking about um you know if we have this opportunity to think about our lives and what we need in conjunction with doing work. If we have a clean slate, right? Um, how would, how would my work best support my life? So, am I a morning person and I book all of my clients in the morning, right? And I still get in that eight hour work day, but then maybe the rest of the day is mine because I'm at home and I don't have to commute and I don't have to stay at the office or, you know, there's a lot of freedom in that. Um, and thinking about, okay, well then what industries or what spaces, um, are going to support those needs, right? So kind of still centering, um, my reality inside of everything else that's changing and trying to go, where can I fit um, and be of, of service to the changing uh, needs of the world, as well as um, how can I take care of myself within those changes? Um, so right now I really enjoy, I really am enjoying remote work. Um, I think that's something that I, I would like to sustain for the majority of the next um, several sections of my career. Um, I have really enjoyed being able to um, create gaps inside of my day where I can do self care. So not having to necessarily do four to six hours of work at a time, but kind of doing those two hour chunks. I'm a big fan of like, Work with the energy that you've got. Don't try to project an expectation onto yourself. And so, I found that I'm a much better, uh, I'm a much better professional if I can work two hours really solid and then take an hour off and then work two hours really solid. And so, the autonomy that this um, kind of crisis has given me to be able to build out my schedule has been really crucial to helping me identify how how much I can bring to the table if I'm catering to my strengths rather than um putting expectations on what that should look like in conjunction with the company so um I love working with I do love working with companies I think uh still as a career coach that works with a a company um I enjoy uh the collaboration of having um of having a department to connect with and like share skills. So I think for me, moving forward on um, the work that I do. Um, I, I have discovered that I definitely want to be working with a company that full-time freelance is not sustainable for me either, because I like working with, with, I like having colleagues. I like working with people that's very important to me. Right. Um, and so in that work, um, I'm looking for opportunities where I can continue building and expanding with other, other, uh, companies who are interested in, um, I think, innovating the workplace or the workspace right and and how do we support uh professionals how do we support our clients um within kind of this opportunity to re re in, invest in what the the work week or what work look, looks like um in our personal lives
1: i love it yeah there's so much that we can learn and i think anyone who's gone through a layoff or has a lot of time on their hands job searching it's uh it's a real opportunity to be able to start learning how to design your day. I think that that's such a, it's such a great skill to have. And it's something that I'm also figuring out as a coach, right? How many calls yeah. can I, can I be on before I start being a total, you know, potato on that call yeah. and, uh, and figuring that out. Um, yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: That's wonderful. And so as we wrap up today, um, how can people find you and reach out to you if they uh, want to learn more about what you're doing?
0: Yeah, I love a good LinkedIn uh, message. Um, so find me on LinkedIn, Juliet Barrett. Um, yeah, I would say LinkedIn is generally the best place. If you want to uh, get more information on my on my personal coaching philosophy, if this hasn't been enough, um, then you can go to my website at JulietBarrettCoach.com.
1: Wonderful, and if there was one piece of advice you'd give someone who, let's say they listened to this episode because they got laid off this morning, what would you say?
0: I would say, um, you know, there's no shame in not having a job. Um, And uh, you are not defined by your greatest accomplishment or your worst failure.
1: What did you feel being a uh, career coach who had gone through a layoff? Because I think that's a pretty interesting place to be. Something I've gone through as well.
0: Yeah, um, I. There was definitely a level of uh, shame about how is anyone ever going to trust you to do your job uh, again? You know, if you if you can't be the pillar of success, how is anyone else going to trust you to give them advice next time? Right. So there was definitely. some perfectionism and some pride I really had to let go of in relationship to my value as a person in relationship to the job that I had. Um, And I really had to take a lot of my own advice that I was giving my own clients of, hey, uh, you know, this is going to happen and you just got to roll with the punches. But as soon as like, you know, being a career coach searching for a job, I was like, everyone's going to expect me to have the most perfect resume and the perfect cover letter and know all the right answers to interviews. And I just put all this pressure on myself about like, now that you're in the job search and people see that you've been a career coach, the caliber of expectation is going to be so high um, for future employers. And how am I going to live up to those standards and those expectations? Um, And how am I going to show my, and tell my community that I failed, you know, and I did, I, I did feel like I had failed. There was a level of, I didn't do enough. Um, and I think I, I broke out of that. And it took me about two weeks to be like, you're not a failure to like, talk myself down from a lot of those negative, um, feelings. Um, but I did find moving forward then, uh, as a career coach that I really had to think about, um, Talk, talking with folks about their careers, that I had to be sure that um, that I was doing the things that I was telling other people to do, that I really had to do a gut check and check in and say, okay, this is, this is what you would say to somebody else who was in this position. Are you doing that? Um, so I think the best thing it did is that it really called me to live up to everything that I had been, you know, that I had been saying sincerely, but I was now in like the most opportune moment to put that wisdom to the test and say, are you doing the things that you've encouraged other folks? If you are or you aren't, there's not necessarily shame around that, but maybe what you were saying wasn't actually in alignment with the truth. So if you don't want to do it that way, think about what you'd need to change instead. And ultimately, um, I found out my advice really worked. Uh, it, but it was a lot of work to do and write that. And that I think that was the other part was just as a career coach, remembering how much the job search takes from you spiritually. Yeah. Like your soul, the vulnerability it takes to constantly write that cover letter um, and the energy it takes to just show up every day and go, all right, I'm really tired. I've submitted my 100th application. I've only had two interviews, but I'm still going to try to meet someone new today. Um, that, that resolution to show up for yourself within the job search was really the big takeaway for me and, um, in, in building out my empathy. Um, and it was the longest time that I was job searching. Uh, I mean, I was, I was, uh, not necessarily looking for jobs, but I was uh, putting in applications. Um, my strategy was more about um, I wasn't going to just blind, I wasn't going to um, uh, submit applications uh, to every job, but that I was only going to submit applications to jobs that were in alignment with my skills um and you would think that that was inherent but a lot of times people just say oh this is open you would be a great fit you could do this in your sleep right and that was not the job i was looking for i was looking for something that would be um in some way at least in alignment with what i had been doing prior or at least with the goals of how i wanted to develop in the future and if it didn't fit that kind of capacity if it was just there to like get me a paycheck then i wasn't going to waste time applying um, and i really had to uh, commit to that um, that decision when it was really hard and there were jobs that I knew that I could do in my sleep, but was I passionate about it? Was it something that I, you know, would get in and then want to leave within five months, then I wasn't going to apply. Even in the days where I was like, wow, I really miss a consistent paycheck mm-hmm. that just hits my bank account every two weeks without even thinking about it. You know, and, and I would have to really call myself into Um, accountability for reprioritizing and staying focused on what I was working towards rather than settling because I was feeling, um, you know, burnt out because I wasn't being kind with myself in the process. So really um, learning from my own wisdom and also just how much, uh, how much commitment it takes to put that practice or the action into practice um, was I think the biggest lesson for me and humility Uh, and, and also has, is the reason why I love coaching folks through that process because I didn't have a support system directly. I didn't have a career coach who was checking in with me every two weeks. And if I had had that support, that would have been such a huge asset to, um, just sustaining my mental energy to the process. So I think since then that's really impacted the way that I, um, I'm able to empathize with my clients um, and, and keeps me invested in that journey too, because I know
1: how hard it can be. Absolutely. Yeah. We have to drink our own Kool-Aid as coaches every once in a while. And I think going through layoff experience, uh, you know, it helps you remember what other people are going through. I remember when I got laid off, my first thought was, I get to add this story to the list. And, like,
0: (laughs) oh, so many stories.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, and hey, here we are, you know, a year and a half later, and I'm doing a podcast on layoffs. I would feel very weird doing this podcast if I hadn't gone through one. So there's always upside.
0: Yeah. So when COVID hit, I was so grateful that I had had that experience and that I was able to really empathize with so many of my clients. Then at that point, I had never had that many clients who had been laid off before. And if I hadn't had that experience, I think I would have been a very different coach at this point in my life. So in a lot of times I see that as uh, divine intervention, you know, as a career coach, life was like, hey, this is coming up in the next year. You're gonna need to be able to help people through it. so we're just going to give you a taste of this so that you can you can do your job well. Um, so in some ways, I think it was it was fortuitous.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Juliet. Uh, and thank you everyone, for listening to the conversation today. If you have a layoff story that you'd like to share, uh, feel free to reach out uh, via LinkedIn or any of the links in the comments below. And uh, Juliet, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Thanks for joining us. Thank
0: you. Thanks for having me.
1: Hey there. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of the Career Therapy Podcast Life After Layoff series. If you enjoyed what you heard here and have a layoff story of your own to share, please connect with me at linkedin.com slash i n slash martin mcgovern or just look up martin mcgovern on linkedin and shoot me a dm i'd love to have you on the show to share your story and you know normalize this layoff experience that brings so many people such a variety of emotions and shame and different things that we feel going through the process i think it's something that most people experience in their lives and i want to share more of these stories with the world and i really appreciate those of you willing to share if you like what you watched here today and you want to support us on Patreon, you can check out patreon.com careertherapy career therapy. And don't forget to subscribe to this on YouTube, like the video if you can, and leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcasting software you're watching on. I appreciate your time and wish you the best of luck in your career.